Well, friends, you are listening to Radio Pulpit 657 AM and Radio Cape Pulpit 729 AM with me, Mark Penrith, your host for the next two hours. We are on the show Table Talk with Mark where you get to ask your questions and I will answer them using God's Word um, as a source. I, I'm actually really looking forward to the show this morning. I enjoy Q&As. I'm in I'm looking forward uh, to the kinds of questions that you are asking regarding God's word. In fact, the first question just came in now. Is smoking a sin? I will tackle that prickly topic um, once we have finished with our first insert. We do have standing by a regular friend on the show, Daniela Ellebeck. Daniela Ellebeck is an attorney of the High Court of South Africa and she serves as a parliamentary liaison. She is a graduate from Rhodes University and she has specialized in litigation. She is representing an organization called Freedom of Religion South Africa, which is a legal advocacy organization which works to protect and promote your constitutional right to religious freedom in South Africa. Daniela, it really is good to have you with us this morning. Ah no, I can't hear you. <laughs> I can I can see that you are on Zoom. Were you muted? It's like, I did. I forgot to unmute myself. Sorry. It's like it's a rookie error. We've been I'll, doing I'll this for so long. Like it's the end of a long week. <laughs> well, it's good to have you with us uh, in any event. Thank you so much for joining. And uh, I know that this morning we're going to be talking about a case which uh, has actually been going on for quite a while. Uh, we've, we've made reference to it over, over quite a long period of time, the Isipantla case, which is, which is really related to a private religious school being sued by the parents of a Zulu learner for allegedly unfair discrimination on the grounds of culture. I don't know if I've just summarized the whole case just like that, but but maybe you can tell us what the case is about and be a little bit more precise than that. Uh, Thank you, Mark. Um, so this case um, was started as a story that was first reported in the Sowetan in mid-July 2020, so yeah. about two years ago. Mm. So I guess if you view two years as a long time in court terms, then yes, it's been going on for <laughs> quite a while. Um, but yes, in in like court terms, I think the, the, we, we've had cases that go on for much longer. Okay. But yes, so it's about a private um, Christian school, so a private religious school that sent home a nine-year-old learner with his learning material because he was wearing an Isi Panda. Now, an Isi Panda is a goatskin bracelet uh, that is traditionally worn by some people as a connection to their ancestors and it went against both the school's uniform policies which prohibits jewelry full stop and its Christian beliefs that the school is founded upon so the school argues that apart from the fact that the wearing of an Isi Pandla conflicted with their prohibition on jewelry mm. um, which the parents agreed to and then enrolled, enrolled their child it is also a religious practice and part of traditional African beliefs and mm. that this is in conflict with the school's code of conduct, which in turn is based upon its Christian ethos and beliefs on which the school is founded. Now, what happened after this is that the parents sued the school for unfair discrimination in terms of the Promotion of Equality and Prevention of Unfair Discrimination Act, okay. which is commonly known as the Equality Act. And the parents say that the Isipandla 
this bracelet is a cultural and not a religious practice. And they argue that by the school sending their child home with learning materials so that he can continue studying at home until the bracelet naturally falls off as required by Zulu custom or belief. The school infringed his right to equality and not to be unfairly discriminated against because it discriminated against him on the grounds of his culture. Mm. And they are suing for 300,000 rand in damages from the school. Wow, I, I mean, even as I... Even as I listen to that, I, I can hear just the complexity uh, in in the realities, and 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 I'm also sensitive. You know, living in South Africa, I, I'm sensitive to 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 much of what the concerns, both from the parents and the learner, the school I- involved. I, I mean, it it really does sound quite interesting. I can understand why these things take a while to work out, because I would imagine even kind of sculpting arguments on both sides of the case will take quite a bit of time. But what is the situation with regard to religion in private? And I mean, you said it many times. This is a private school in South Africa. And I think the last time that we spoke, we also made this statement that South Africa isn't a secular state. We're a, we're, we're a state which, which recognizes even God um, and the right to religious practice within the context of our state. But, but what is the situation with regards to um, religion in private schools in South Africa? Mark, wow. So I know that you actually listen when we have interviews. That's amazing. <laughs> no, we did exactly say that. Um, and that was something that's come down even through various court judgments that South Africa is in a secular state, which is quite obvious if you look at our constitution. Yes. Um, because we have our section 15 right, which is in the Bill of Rights. And that right is our right to religious freedom, mm. which goes with us wherever we go. Mm. Mark doesn't leave that right behind in the morning when he closes his front door and walks into Radio Pulpit. And Daniela doesn't leave that right behind when she walks into Spa or Pick and Pay or goes to the movies or Mm. into the town square or wherever. Mm. Mm. It goes with you wherever you go. And um, in terms of the Constitution, people also have a right to then found and run private religious schools that are based um, upon religious beliefs and practices of a religious community. Now, it must be mentioned, and this is the context that we spoke about last time, um, I actually think in our last interview together, which was about public schools. Now, even in public schools, courts have said that every learner's right to um, religion must be reasonably accommodated. Yes. Now, the position is different in between private and public schools in this aspect, in that public schools are community assets Everyone is allowed into a public school um, and all religious beliefs and practices have to be accommodated because it's a community asset, right? Yes. Public. Whereas with a private school, um, especially a private religious school that's specifically found based on religious beliefs, people who enroll their children in the school sign and agree to abide by the school's religious practices as framework as part of the admissions process. So, with a private school, you voluntarily join that school. Mm. You decide, okay, this is the private school we want to send our child to. You know, yes. We have an array of schools we can send our child to. Um, some might be closer and some might be further. Some might have better quality education. Some might have better quality sports teams, mm. whatever. As parents, you sit down and you look at this and you make a decision which school you want to send your child to. And you decide, okay, actually, we want to send our child to, in this case, a private religious school. Yes. Um, and we're not obliged to do that. Yes. So 
Yes. Yeah, you, you know, Daniela, uh, this is actually this is quite close to me and to and and to my life. In that, I've done a lot of work with with public schools and worked with school governing bodies and made sure that they had in place the 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 agreement that we could come in and speak at assemblies and stuff. But but I also attended a private. Um, Christian school as a child. I, uh, you you went to Rhodes. I, I was at St Andrews uh, in Grahamstown for a time, and that's a Church of the Province of South Africa school. It's an it's an Anglican school, and I can remember there, there were requirements back when I was at school. Now this was a long time ago. I have no doubt it's changed since then. My father was actually the chaplain in that school for a while. Um, but but there there were requirements. We we had to go to chapel, for instance, in the mornings, and uh, there was religious observance that you couldn't just go and stand outside um, or extract yourself from because you you knew what you were getting into when your parents signed you up for that school. Whereas in the public schools that I've been in, um, in order to accommodate maybe children of a different religion, children would be given the option during assembly times, during religious devotion, maybe to go to another place in the school or to another, um, a, another facility in the school where they could engage and communicate in, in different ways so so i have some understanding of what you're talking about but what does the law actually say about these things so mark uh, you make a very important note there or observation about your time at st andrews which is that you were compelled to be part of the religious observances such mm. as chapel in the morning mm. and it's important to know when it comes to a private school like st andrews that you mentioned or any other private school private school in this instance you know, a person or his parents in this case make a voluntary decision to join that school. Yes. And in other words, a private school is an association that people voluntarily choose to join. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we get different types of associations in South Africa. We get sports associations. We get, you know, a, 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 the Vegetarian Society, for example. <laughs> Not a member. Uh, let's use that as a fictitious <laughs> Let's use that as a fictitious association. Yeah. An association is basically a, a bunch of people that come together and say, okay, we want to, you know, we want to associate with each other based on our love of sport, our love of vegetarian cuisine, you know, the fact that we want to found a private religious school. Yeah. So it's a voluntary thing. Now, although we don't have a constitutional court case um, on this specific issue yet, the Supreme Court, in the case of Wittmann, um, which I believe was back in the 1990s. Mm. I stand on the correction, but I believe it was quite a few years ago. Was dealing with a German private school in Pretoria, where a people did not want to attend religious education classes. Mm. So similar to what you're saying about the religious observances, but in this case, religious education classes. And the court said that because the German school is a private school, this person had voluntarily decided to join. It's not that this was the only public school available to her. It was a private school. She voluntarily chose to um, go there. And she and her parents must therefore comply with the private school's um, regulations and policies. In other words, the court said that when you voluntarily choose to join a private association, you must follow that association's rules. You can't expect them to change their rules to suit you. So to use the fictitious example of the vegetarian society mm, and mark mm. you've now made it obvious that you're a carnival <laughs> praise the lord gentle i yeah enjoy a pork chop <laughs> so you can't go to the fictitious that we've now said um vegetarian society and say i want to join you guys 
And then once you've joined them, say, okay, but, you know, I want to eat my pork chop yes. because the vegetarian society will say to you, okay, you are completely free to eat your pork chop. Yeah. But here at the vegetarian society, we don't eat meat. Yes. So yes. you can't force them to change their rules to accommodate, accommodate. you and your pork chop. Uh, that makes now, sense. Exactly. It's, it, it law is very easy and logical if you break it down to its basics. Now, furthermore, we also know that the Constitutional Court, which is our country's apex court, our highest court, has also said in the case of Christian Education South Africa that religion is not just a matter of faith and doctrine. And as Christians and listeners, I think we can all agree to that. It's not just, you know, faith and doctrine for us. It's something, it's a way of life. It's something that we take yes. into everywhere we go. It's not just and in our heads. It's not just on our couch. It's not just in the pew. Out. We live it out all the time. We live out our faith before a watching world. Exactly. And the Constitutional Court in this case also recognized that there's a very close link between religion and culture and that it can sometimes be very difficult to separate the two from another. Yes. Sure. I, I mean, in a nutshell then, uh, what is the question that the case revolves around? What is the court actually going to need to decide, Daniela? The court will have to decide whether a private religious school, in other words, a private association, can require people who voluntarily choose to be part of that association or school in this instance to adhere to their values and their rules. So in this yes. case, we're dealing with private religious schools, so yeah. the schools faith, it's faith-based ethos, it's religious policies, mm, it's beliefs. Mm. And like we were saying now in the fictitious example, the vegetarian society's rule that you don't eat meat there. Mm, mm. A kind of private association that people voluntarily choose to be part of require people who choose to be part of it to follow its rules. Now, so this could be a very important case with major consequences, not just for private schools, yes. but for private associations and in terms of the schools specifically it could set a precedent for the extent to which independent schools can exist around a religious identity or ethos mm. you know whether it's a christian private school a muslim private school or a jewish private school and so forth um, and the extent to which it's obliged to accommodate culture or religious practices because even the concord we've just said has recognized that sometimes the waters between culture and religion can get very murky yes. and it can be very difficult to separate the two. So to what extent should these private religious schools be obliged to accommodate culture and religious practices that go against that school's religious ethos and identity? So to put it simply, in other words, to what extent should the 99% of parents and teachers um, accommodate the 1% even if it accommodating jeopardizes the school's beliefs and practices. So should the vegetarian society made up of 99% vegetarians be forced to accommodate Mark and his pork chop? Mm. Mm, mm. uh, so for his Asa, sorry, Mark. Well, well Daniela, can I, can I just ask, uh, <laughs> I mean, as you're talking, I, I can see the relevance of the decision even to other practical applications. So, for example, a church, um, and we've spoken about this in the past as well, a church has a statement of belief, and upon joining a church, members um, subscribe to the statement of belief of the church. Now, I mean, I could speak of specific articles um, that would maybe um, be 
be matters of distinctive natures between different churches but but they they're like really really important i'm a baptist uh, i have a baptist church uh, if you want to be a member of a baptist church you subscribe to believer baptism which is by full immersion now what happens if somebody um joins the church has children but on the other side of joining decides hey listen yeah in actual fact i hold to a presbyterian view now um i want my children to be you know full members but they're not going to go undergo baptism is it the same kind of arguments that we're talking about in other words after you've joined the association subscribe to whatever rules uh, or mandates the the association has written down you change your mind or want to exercise a different religious view um, d- does this come down to the possibility that all associations would have to accommodate whatever changes a person makes <laughs> in the future uh, if, if the ruling was against um, the school in this case it would open the door for stuff like that yes definitely mm, yeah, so no. I mean this obviously the court won't go wider than the facts before it which has to do with or should not go wider than the facts before it, rather let me phrase it that way, um, which has to do with private religious schools. But you can see how an adverse judgment for a private religious association such as a private school um, would then open the door for other private associations such as what you were just saying, churches, Mm. um, to also, you know, be forced to accommodate cultural or religious practices that go against their doctrines and beliefs that they're founded upon. And so look, that's I, why I, this I took, case can be quite a, yes. um, uh, oh, enough of course we would say a barn breaker shock. Um, uh, a, 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 it's quite an important case. A barn breaking case, like a, like, a, like, a, like a door breaking case, a, a gateway conversation. Um, I, I mean, it, it's fascinating. I, I took the least contentious of the, of the specific um, uh, statement of belief articles that I could think of, but there, there's articles that relate to marriage. There's articles that relate to all kinds of things, and in reality, uh, a, a church, a sound church, a healthy church, anyway, is going to be practicing things like church discipline. What if what? And one of the way reasons that you might church discipline a person is if they disagree with your statement of belief after having agreed to it at some state in in time, and just the complexities of having to accommodate people who differ theologically. I mean, it just, it, it, it could be a, a bond breaking case. <laughs> I don't know what that, I don't know what that is in English. Um, sorry, I can't help you out there. This has already been going on for two years. The case has been set down for hearing next week. What are the chances that this is going to proceed? So, Mark, um, the lawyers for the parents have indicated that they want to lead evidence, um, which may require or may lead them to arguing for a postponement on Monday next week. So as we said at the beginning of this interview, the case has been set down for hearing for two days next week, Monday and Tuesday. Um, but it might be the case that the lawyers for the parents argue for a postponement um, on Monday. But Force a will keep the public updated and in the loop. We are involved in this case as a friend of the court, which is in law known as an amicus curiae. And we will be assisting the court on the nature and extent of the right to religious freedom. 
Excellent. Well, thanks so much for your time, Daniela. Really appreciate the conversation. Each week uh, I learn a little bit more about the legal system in South Africa, um, but really also, I guess, in some ways, understand a little bit more about the importance of this right to religious freedom in our country and the need to continually advocate um, for it. Um, So thank you so much. I I do want to point listeners uh, to your guys' website and to your uh, social media um, platforms if they want to stay uh, uh, in contact and, and know what's going on on this case and other cases uh, your website is and I am talking without it open in front of me it's 4sa.org.za so that's 4sa freedom of religion South Africa 4sa f-o-r-s-a dot o-r-g dot Za dot org dot za and uh, and there you can subscribe to a newsletter and find out what's going on uh, in the state of South Africa as far as religious freedom is concerned and then you guys have a social media platform certainly on Facebook anyway and you can find that by just typing in the search bar Facebook Freedom of Religion South Africa and uh, and you can like subscribe and follow the goings on there uh, did I get that all right Daniela. I think Facebook is Freedom of Religion Essay. And also we've recently started to post on Twitter as well. And I think our handle is for for SA at for SA org or something like that. But people should find us if they just search for us on Twitter. Friends, if you are Twit, you can find Freedom of Religion South Africa on Twitter. I hope that you get plenty of subscribers off the back of that. Daniela, thank you so much for your time. Hope you enjoy the rest of your week and weekend. Thank you, Mark. Same to you. Always a privilege to talk to you and your listeners. Thank you for the opportunity. God bless. Cheers.